Welcome to Around the Keg, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. It's college football championship week, and Wit, Matt, Lando, and myself, Keys, could not be more excited. On this episode, the guys talk transfer portal news, rumors of Jim Harbaugh in the NFL, the college football playoff semifinals, and finally finish off the show with a national championship breakdown and our picks for the results of the matchup between Alabama and Georgia. Now let's pop the tab. National championship coming up on Monday. We had the Texas Tax Act Bowl last night where LSU didn't have a quarterback. They had like, what, 30 scholarship players? I didn't even watch that last game. Night. <laughs> I it, watched, was, I watched, it was bad. I watched a little bit of it. The fact that LSU even scored 20, what was it, 21 points? And yeah, they, they had, what was it? They had a wide receiver it, playing quarterback. Was it 42 to 21? Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. I think it says a lot to the talent that LSU has because they had a wide receiver playing quarterback, and they still scored 21 points. I watched a little bit of it. I didn't watch the whole thing because, quite frankly, after the college football playoff, why are you having bowl games with teams that were not very relevant for a majority of the year? Like, I, I didn't understand that to begin with, but uh, I mean, overall, like it was, it was still football and LSU just looked like a shell of itself. I mean, they looked like a team that was playing with a lot of third and fourth stringers, which is what they were doing. And yet they were still able to compete a little bit. I mean, they got the doors blown off of them. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but Hey, I, I, I don't think it's indicative of what LSU is going to be in the years to come because Brian Kelly is going to be able to recruit that place like nobody's business. Yeah, he's already done a pretty good job, too. I mean, if you look at the recruiting class he just pulled in, for a class that just lost their head coach throughout the entire season, the guy that was recruiting them, he did a pretty good job of turning things around. And now he's got Miles Brennan coming back. He's got Walker Howard coming in. Uh, I think Walker Howard is, what, number three quarterback in this class? And there's like five or six five-star quarterbacks, and Gunnar Stockton's not even one of them. So there's a bunch of really good quarterbacks in this class. But um, Brian Kelly's going to get the shot at Caleb Williams, too, after he announced he's transferring from Oklahoma. If he gets Caleb Williams, that's going to be – that team's going to be pretty dang good next year. Yeah, um, Caleb Williams is uh, transferring into the transfer portal, and uh, Mario Williams – the receiver Oklahoma had is also entered the transfer reporter. I'm not worried. I mean, I mean, it, it happens. This is this is the the age we're in where the NIL deals are huge and players like to weigh their options. And you know, of course, Oklahoma's going through a coaching change and whole different coaching staff. I'm happy for, for Caleb Williams. Uh, you know, like it's basically like free agency in the in the NFL. Wins when something changes with your team, you just weigh your options and go somewhere that fits you know, your style the best. So I, I wish nothing but the best for Kevin Williams. We ended up getting, uh, what's his name, uh, Dylan Gabriel, who transferred from UCF to uh, UCLA, and three weeks later uh, flipped to Oklahoma. So it, it's it's a crazy time for college football. I'm happy we got Dylan Gabriel. I think he was going to do pretty well. Uh, he's a pretty good passer, so I'm not too worried. Yeah, I wouldn't be worried at all. I think Dylan Gabriel, especially with as comfortable as already with Jeff Lebby's offense, he, he, 
Oklahoma's not going to skip a beat, and there's plenty of talent on that team. Jeff Levy is going to get the best out of it, and Oklahoma's going to be just fine. I wouldn't worry about that at all. But I'll be honest, like, for the first time, I'm starting to kind of not like the NIL stuff. Like, I feel like it's, I I don't know. It's not that I don't think that they should have done it. It's like I feel like they they did it, and it's kind of wide open, and it's brand new, and there's a lot of schools that are ready for it and that are prepared and set up and it's going to turn into where a rich get richer where there's just going to be a handful of teams that are like actually legitimately going to be getting good top tier talent because they're going to be the only ones that can afford it and it puts even like mid-level schools like I'm sure Kentucky will be fine because they've got basketball and IL stuff set up already, and football will be as good of a class as they just had. I'm sure that they'll they'll do well there too. But like mid-level schools like you know uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, that could get left behind because they aren't as well equipped as a lot of these bigger SEC schools to compete with some of the major NIL deals. Cause there's a rumor floating around that Caleb Williams has an NIL deal set up with Georgia between one and $2 million. I mean, that's not, that's not chump change that you're throwing around, especially to an 18 year old kid, 19 year old kid now, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to kind of sway like this NIL stuff might not be the best thing for what college football is. Is it Texas that has already got like a couple, I don't know if it's alumni programs that have basically been set up to just offer, NIL money to to players for coming there. Phil Knight was doing that with Oregon. Yeah, Texas is doing it the where if you are a starting offensive lineman for the University of Texas, you get fifty thousand dollars. There you go. Like, all right, well, Texas can afford to do that, but what about Texas Tech? Like, I I just feel like it puts Texas Tech at a disadvantage, and even like schools like Baylor, Baylor not so much because it's a private school, and and there's a lot of money that goes in there. Same with like SMU, but. Schools like Texas Tech aren't going to be able to compete with Texas on by any means. Cincinnati, I mean, the group of five team that just made the playoff and has Luke Fickle, like they're going to be all right, but they're not going to be able to even compete with four and three and four star guys if they're able to get at least a little bit of money from a Texas or an Oklahoma or an Alabama or a Georgia. All right, so hear me out. I think that college football, especially with these Power Five programs, are eventually going to have to have a commissioner and they're going to have to be contracts with the teams to say, all right, you have to spend at least two years with a Georgia or Oklahoma or Alabama or or stuff like that. So that way we're getting out of the, the habit of you spend one year with a team and then you go somewhere else. And then after that, you go somewhere else. I think eventually there's going to have to be some type of rules put in place so that way you players aren't just leaving after a year because I think it's bad for for college football because Matt you you alluded to that these schools like Texas Tech or other smaller Power Five programs they're not going to be able to keep these players just because they're not these players aren't going to get those NIL deals as they would for a bigger program. It's so weird to hear you say that like talk about a plan like that because it just sounds like minor leagues well i mean it well let's be honest for for college football it it it, it is the minor leagues it's let's like free it's like free agency i mean it's, it's honestly it's, it's, it's got it's like baseball 
but not because of the minor league. It's because like you'll have a guy who'll be developed in one system, maybe not for as long as it is like for the Orioles. The Orioles will have a guy for like five years, and then you have a team like the Yankees come in and pretty much buy them out and end up using them for the next couple of years and winning World Series with them. The only way, the only reason I think it's different, and the reason I kind of disagree with what Matt was saying earlier is it's not like these schools are not the ones that are paying the players. It's the boosters and schools like Texas Tech, schools like Cincinnati, they have boosters with a lot of money. They just aren't as big of programs. The programs don't have as much money as schools like Georgia, schools like Alabama. And maybe there's not as many boosters at Cincinnati that are going to throw money at players like there are at Georgia or like at Alabama. But they do have boosters that can pay that kind of money. So if Texas Tech wanted to offer – Caleb Williams, $2 million for an NAL deal. They could find a booster to offer him that money. What's to stop Zaxby's from just paying for a whole team? Exactly. Statesboro, Georgia. But that's but that's my thing is like, sure, you could have a booster that is able to come up and ante $1 or $2 million for one player, but you're going to have enough at some of these schools like, like Georgia and Alabama if they want – you know, five five star guys. They can be like, "Hey, we we need this much money. Give us, throw us ten million to throw at players, and and we're and we're good." And I I don't know. I mean, obviously that's the direction we're headed, but overall it just feels like the NFL is or the college football has become an NFL junior even more so, which is ultimately going to lead to, I fear, expanded playoffs more budgets, and they're going to have to do something with contracts. You're right uh, about that because right now, essentially, you could – like, I, I know Lane Kiffin alluded to this in a press conference right around signing day. He was like, yeah, you know, I hope these kids get what they're being promised because there's a lot of schools out there, namely like a, a Kentucky, who has promised a lot of kids a lot of things. And boosters are like, you know, come saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to come to it. But – whenever it comes down to them actually getting that money, are they actually going to see it? And if they don't, there's no repercussions. Like if, if, uh, if one of the boosters backs out and they're like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to throw this extra money down anymore. I, I just, you know, hard times, whatever. We don't have it. Not doing it. There's no contract. It's not written in writing that they that they have to pay it. I think honestly, the way they should do it, is it should be illegal to have a deal on the table before you join a team. Because I think that's kind of the main thing is you have guys like, you know, if, if it's true with Caleb Williams that he's being offered a $2 million contract to go play for Georgia with, with some NIL company, then that's extremely unfair from him trying to go somewhere else if someone else isn't going to offer him that contract. If he just chooses where he wants to go and then gets a deal like that, it's different because there's not really an issue with it, but of course you're, you're going to be under the table. You're going to have people do under the table stuff. But I'm just saying as a rule, it's good to have it like that because then if you find out it is under the table, then you can, you can get them in trouble. Well, I mean, I know the whole argument against like saying, well, NIL at least allows players to make money because it was happening before. Like you're blind if you did, and obviously, yeah. Like I know, and I've said this before. Like I know that there's programs that boosters are they've been doing it for a while. It's not new. Now it's just legal. It just seems like, you know, with the transfer portal being the way that it is now, it is full on free agency and it's going to put a lot of schools at a disadvantage. They can't keep up with two to $3 million for a, a, a top tier talent. Well, Matt, speaking about the NFL, apparently Jim Harbaugh has been rumored to consider a couple of these NFL openings. I think uh, the first one they were talking about was, 
Las Vegas. Apparently, he's interested in that. And apparently now he's being talked to by the Bears. Uh, personally, I didn't really think these rumors were true at all. I mean, after the year he's had at Michigan, um, after the journey he's had there, the fact that he played at Michigan, I thought he would hang around um, and keep trying to build that program. But the more I've kind of listened to it, the more I've looked into it, I think that there's a really good chance this happens. I mean, the fact that he's being linked to three different schools, I hear it from a lot of different sources too. I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, and it's a lot of guys that have some good intel. Um, and it sounds like all of these guys kind of have the same things they're talking about. And none of it really sounds like rumors. It sounds like things that are actually going on, or or at least they believe so. So uh, I would not be surprised to see Jim Harbaugh jump ship and head to the NFL. I would not hate having him on the Jacksonville Jaguars as the head coach. I wouldn't hate seeing him go to the Bears either. I think that he's a really good NFL head coach. Uh, he's proven that he's made the jump before, and he took a team to the Super Bowl with Alex Smith. Uh, so I think that it could be uh, a, a good thing for Jim Harbaugh because I feel like he's kind of maxed out his potential at Michigan too. Like This was the best team that he's ever had at Michigan, and the recruits haven't gotten any better and he got steamrolled in the playoff by an SEC team. And I think, obviously, he could probably see the writing on the wall. He took a pay cut last year. He's not going to make that money back. You can't do anything to make the people at Michigan happier than they are this year other than win a natty. And that's what their expectation is going to be from here is like, oh, we've got to make that next step. We've got to be able to at least get to a natty. And quite frankly, like Michigan just doesn't, compete they don't have the talent to compete with a Georgia or an Alabama year in and year out and it's been evident the whole time he's there why not make the jump back to the NFL make some money and and continue to be seen in fairly good light at Michigan go out on the blades of glory the only obstacle that was left for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan was beating Ohio State and now that he accomplished that like Matt you alluded to he made it to the playoff. He gave Michigan a chance to go to the national championship. This was the best team he's had at Michigan since he's been there. Um, I kind of disagree that you know Michigan can't get the type of talent that Georgia or Alabama can get because I, I think they can. I think they can recruit on a level of Ohio State because we've seen Ohio State go to the national championship and win a national championship in the past couple years. So I think that Michigan can recruit that, to that level. But I also think that Jim Harbaugh is a better NFL coach than he is a college coach. So I I think making the jump for him this year would be the best option for him because there are some really good teams. Well, not some really good teams, but there are some teams out there that have good potential that a coach like him can be uh, really successful with. Yeah, Lando, I kind of agree with what you're saying. I think Jim Harbaugh is a better NFL coach. I think he's better with NFL players. But I do think he has a lot of potential to work with after what he did this year. I feel like the only reason he wasn't getting a lot of these bigger five-star players in these last couple of years is because he's proven that he couldn't beat Ohio State. And this year, he turned around and proved that he could beat Ohio State. And he won the Big Ten, and he made the playoff. And even though they really weren't that competitive against Georgia, they they were a good team this year. I mean, they had a really good running game. They just really didn't match up well. I mean, I think if they played Cincinnati or Alabama, they would have played – a little bit better. I don't think they would have beaten Alabama. I think they probably would have beaten Cincinnati, or at least it would have been closer. Um, so, I mean, they they were a top three team this year for sure. Uh, they had a really good year. I think he could for sure build on that, and especially if Ryan Day jumps ship at Ohio State, he has a chance to really create a juggernaut at Michigan. Um, that being said, I have a feeling he is going to be the Raiders coach next year. That's my call. 
I feel like he is probably more between Jacksonville and Las Vegas than Chicago solely for the fact of when you think about and I know that Justin Fields is young and he's there in Chicago, so we'd have the young quarterback there. But when you think about the lifestyle, like if you're leaving Michigan, why would you want to leave Michigan to go to Chicago? It's freezing cold there too. Like you could go to Las Vegas and hang out in the desert and be there, or you can go to Jacksonville and be on the beach, on the coast, in the warm weather. I, I would, and I think a lot of it has to play to do with at least is from a. Uh, management standpoint, though, because I know there's a lot of people not interested in the Jacksonville job as long as Trent Balky is held on as the GM. And the same thing with Chicago, like there's people that are out there that are like not really wanting to take that job if Ryan Pace is still the GM at the end of the year. So I think they're just going to wait and see. It, it'll be a wait and see game there. Uh, but, you know, I, I would love to see Harbaugh in Jacksonville. I think he's a really good NFL coach. I mean, you know, what he did with the 49ers when he was there going to a Super Bowl, and really they had all the momentum in that game until the power went out in the Superdome. And then the Ravens, because the power went out, they were able to catch their breath, and they they ended up coming back and winning it. And it was cool to see that for Ray Lewis. But I, Jim Harbaugh, good NFL head coach. I, I, like, I like the idea of him being back in the NFL, and I'd like to see him on the sidelines in Jacksonville selfishly. I'll say this too about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. He's already set himself up for a couple really, really good years too. Cause he's got JJ McCarthy sitting as his backup quarterback this year. You could tell he was aching to go ahead and get him as the starting quarterback with as much as he was switching him and Cade McNamara out at quarterback throughout the entire season, even with how Cade was playing. So I think he's set himself up really well. He's got a lot of guys coming back. He's got Donovan Edwards in the fold. Um, I think Jim Harbaugh, if I were him, I would at least give it two more years to work with those players, see if you can compete for national championships, see if you can continue to beat Ohio State like you did this year. Obviously, with the way their defense is at Ohio State, you kind of know how to beat them now. You just got to run the ball on them and play physical. They have a lot of physical players coming back. I don't see a reason to think that Ohio State's defense is going to be any better than it was this year. Um, and it was the same last year, too. In the last couple of years, they really haven't recruited super well on defense besides the pass rusher. And if all you have is pass rushers, all you got to do is run the ball straight up the middle and they're not going to beat you. So if I were Jim Harbaugh, I'd hang around in Michigan just for a little bit longer, see if I can get that national championship ring. Michigan got absolutely steamrolled in the playoff by Georgia. Alabama did their thing against Cincinnati. And here we are, Alabama, Georgia, the rematch from the SEC championship. We've got it in the in the national championship next Monday. Uh, I am very nervous about this game. It's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a very competitive game. Uh, preview thoughts, guys. What are you What are you thinking? I'm going to leave this debate up to you guys. I'm going to sit and watch you guys go at, go at each other's necks. Only thing I have to say about this is it's hard to beat a team twice in one year. Um, Georgia looked really good. Um, Alabama also looked really good. I think Georgia's competition was better than Cincinnati. But, um, you know, it's hard to beat a team twice in one year, and I, I think Georgia still has that bad taste in their mouth from the SEC championship game. So it's going to be a really good game. I would, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia blew out Alabama, though. I'll be honest. I Normally, for this game, 
I would probably be doing a lot of watching tape and kind of getting ready for the game. And But I bought a ticket for the game, and I'm actually going to the national championship. I'm driving up this weekend up to Indianapolis. So my entire week has been spent trying to plan around that and plan on how I'm going to afford to do anything else after paying as much as I did for a national championship ticket. So I have really not watched a lot of tape. Obviously, I watched both of these games. Um, I missed the first half of the Cincinnati-Alabama game, but I've gone back and watched it since. Uh, I watched it like later on that night, like right before I went to sleep. When it comes to Alabama, I think they looked a little bit worse than I thought they would against Cincinnati. Even though they blew them out, they didn't do it in the way I thought they would. I thought they would have that pass game going like they did against Georgia. Um, I know the DBs at Cincinnati are really strong, but they pretty much leaned on the run game, which I don't think I've really seen Alabama do this season. Uh, but Brian Robinson went for over 200 yards. Dude looked like an absolute beast. Offensive line played well like they did against Georgia. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they try and run with that same game plan against Georgia because they don't have uh, John Mechie over there if this time around. But if they do, I think Georgia has a really good chance of beating them. If they go back to that passing game and they start to lean on some of those younger wide receivers um, and no one's saving, I'm sure he's got a trick up his sleeve somewhere. Uh, I don't – I mean, the matchup is still the same as the SEC championship. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I – Lando, you already said it, but it's really hard to beat a team twice. And it's really, really hard to beat a good team twice. Uh, and that's what worries me the most. I was hoping that Michigan was going to beat Georgia. I knew deep down, and I even said it last week, like Michigan is about to get steamrolled. It's not going to be close because Georgia, to me, is just they, – they, they dominate teams like that. And the Alabama game, like – I feel like people were not giving Cincinnati enough credit for how good they are in their secondary, like coming into it. And, and that's why I was saying last week, like I didn't expect it to be a close score in the sense of it being low scoring. I thought it was going to be more of a shootout. Like the score ended up about what I thought Alabama won by three scores, but I, I expected it to be like a, a 45, 24 type of three scores than a 27 to six three scores if if Alabama's defense has finally found whatever it is in this run that they need if they stop the run I feel confident because you know uh Brock Bauer is really athletic as a tight end he plays very similar to like what Jaleel Billingsley did last year for Alabama where he he you could send him out wide he could play uh in like a tight end on the line, just offset. Uh, he runs good routes. He's super athletic, great ball skills, uh, good adjustability to catch it. Stetson Bennett had a great game, and I feel like it was like one of those things where finally Georgia fans seemed to accept it, that Stetson could be all right, and and it was like it took him doing that against Michigan. I, I just think that it, th- this matchup is all about the trenches. Uh, if if Alabama is able to do what they did offensive line wise against Georgia, just what they did in the SEC championship, then I like Alabama's chances. If George, if they're not able to do that, if Georgia starts getting a push on the defensive line, that's whenever Bryce Young struggles the most. And I feel like Kirby and Dan Lanning are sitting in a room somewhere right now as we talk at 8 p.m. on Wednesday, sitting in a dark room looking at film and talking about different blitz schemes that they can throw at Bryce Young and Alabama's offensive line that they didn't do last time. Because when you get pressure on Bryce Young and you make him 
not really just move around in the pocket, but you get actual real pressure where you're chasing him down, he starts to not do great things like in the Cincinnati game and even in the Auburn game where he got sacked seven times. When that happens, Bryce Young becomes very mortal. When you give him time and he's able to escape the pocket and buy himself more time, that's when he's able to make really good plays downfield. And I think Ja'Cory Brooks is going to buy himself some more playing time. We've got to find another option outside of John Mechie because I think that that did hurt because they were just double-teaming Jamison Williams the entire time. And Georgia's going to do the exact same thing. And Ja'Cory Brooks is going to have to win some one-on-one matchups. Ajayi Hall is going to win some one-on-one matchups. Jaleel Billingsley's got to wake up and win some one-on-one matchups. Cameron Latu. Uh, so we're going to have to have some guys step up. One thing I'll say to you that I noticed in that Alabama-Cincinnati game is Bill O'Brien was calling plays for Jamison Williams like he was John Mechie, too. Like, there was a lot of more medium-range throws to Jamison Williams, more screens, more stuff like that, not as much just, like, throw it downfield. Um, and honestly, I think the reason for that is John Mechie really opened him up in the passing game because you knew John Mechie was going to run good routes, get open in the midfield. And uh, once he started taking over ball games, Jamison Williams could just go over the top and could beat anybody. Um. Georgia's going to have to do that. I think that's one of three things Georgia has to do is uh, take care of Jameson Williams. Don't let him beat you up like he did last time. I mean, he went for, what, 180 yards, something like that, in the SEC championship, 150. You can't let that happen again. Our defensive backs, they really aren't super great, but they're they're good enough to be able to stop one receiver. So, or Lord, I hope so. Uh, number two, I think Stetson Bennett's got to play like he did against uh, Michigan. I don't think he has to be as good. He doesn't got, have to go for 300 yards or anything. He's just got to do enough to open up the run game. He's got to loosen up Alabama's rush defense. Uh, not a lot of people talked about it. Alabama had the number three rush defense this year, I think, behind Georgia and probably like Wisconsin or somebody. Um, and Setson Bennett, he's got to escape the pocket a little bit more. He gets Alabama the first time. He never ran the ball. I think he ran the ball maybe once. Um, a lot of times he kept looking to pass. He is, in my opinion, not the greatest runner, but the fact that he can get out of the pocket and actually get yards with his feet, I think that's going to be a big big play here. Uh, against Michigan, he did a really good job of that too. He did a really good job with it all year to open up the offense. Um, and then finally, I think they got to slow down Bryce Young. They got to contain him. He did a really good job of getting out of the pocket last time they played, uh, which honestly is why I think their offensive line did so well too. And if he can keep escaping like he did last time and keep getting a couple yards with his feet, like these little two or three years, a couple first downs, a couple 15-yard runs here and there, they're going to be at Georgia all day. So that's what I think is going to happen, and uh, I look forward to watching it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, sort of uh, living in Georgia, I know that I will catch a lot of crap if they finally – when they finally get over the hill – and I know it's coming. I mean, it always it, it always is when I mean, you know that it's you know that it's there and you know everybody's talking about it all all year, you know, especially after the SEC championship whenever Georgia was favored by five and a half points or six and a half points. And then the one thing I was kind of surprised was that Vegas went Georgia minus two. And and that actually made me feel a little bit better that they did favor Georgia because then it was like, all right, well. You know, because everyone in on social media, at least, is talking crap about how Alabama's taking on this underdog mentality and they're the number one team in the country. And it's like, well, we were literally the underdog in the SEC championship. And then we beat the best team in the country. And then now we're playing them again and we're 
the underdog again. Like, we're the literal underdog. Alabama's taking on this mentality, not because they don't think that they're, the players don't think that they're the best in the country, but because for the first time in a very, very long time, Saban's able to pull that card and be like, look, Vegas doesn't respect you. And and nobody, the voters aren't respecting you. The, the line moved to minus three. So, uh, it, it after it opened it, uh, minus two for Georgia. So I, I really, I'm nervous about it uh, for a lot of reasons. You know, one being that it's it's uh it's hard to beat a good team twice. And Kirby, for everything that people have given him crap for, in my opinion, is the second best coach in college football behind his mentor Nick Saban. And at the end of the day, the coaches have so much only so much influence on the games and if you watch that sec championship to me even as i watched it it felt closer than it it felt closer than the scoreboard indicated and it was like one play here or one play there it was like chunk plays blown coverages that alabama took advantage of and then late in the game like Alabama's defense went soft and Georgia started dinking it right down the field and Georgia's defense is good enough to get some stops late that even when Alabama went up, I think it was like 21 or 24, whatever it was, I was not feeling comfortable because I just, I don't know. This game is the one that I always worry about. Um, And, you know, Kirby has the, Kirby has his guys motivated too. I mean, he, they they lost to this team already this year, and it was a lot of the, the, those guys were probably thinking that they would win easily. Um, now, as far as game planning, I kind of think, and I don't know. Obviously, Bill O'Brien would never say it. Nick Saban would never say it. But I kind of think that they knew what they were going to do against Cincinnati that was going to be successful, and it was pound the ball up the middle with Brian Robinson to win that game. And I feel like they, they didn't want to show anything too flashy from a receiving standpoint with routes and stuff that they were going to, that they wanted, that they're going to do because they didn't want to show their hand. If they had to play Georgia again, they kind of wanted to be a little more conservative in that manner. Um, They'll never say that, but I it felt that way to me a lot in that Cincinnati game. They seem to be doing a lot more vanilla routes and packages. All right, so no sense of waiting. Let's go ahead and give the scores. I think that the score is going to be 25 to 20, Georgia. I think Georgia is going to get over to the hump. Uh first championship in what 40 it would be what 41 years 40 yeah 42 42 years like i said earlier and like and like matt keeps saying it's hard to beat a team twice in a row once you have the game plan on somebody once you've kind of figured them out and especially you know that you know after georgia beat michigan and you know alabama alabama beat cincinnati they've had this entire week to prepare for Alabama, I, I I think Stetson Bennett Stetson Bennett is going to do just enough to get George over that hump. Uh, he can run, which I think is huge. He'll run the ball more than he did in the SEC championship game. And him being able to get out of those bad situations and make a let's say a a second and ten, make it into a, a third and and one, I think that's huge. So 
Stetson Bennett is going to be the key in this game. I think he's going to do just enough to get Georgia over the hump. 25-20, to 20, Georgia. Go ahead, Witt. No, sir, I'm last. There's, <laughs> there's a listing here. All right. So every year, and even after this last game, I said I will never doubt Nick Saban in Alabama against Georgia again because I always – I think I sometimes I overanalyze it in my head and I try to – less the less the blunt of the of the blow uh whenever i do finally have to experience alabama losing to georgia again for the first time in 15 years uh but to me it just always feels like this is the time that kirby's going to do it this is the time that kirby's going to do it uh i am going to go Alabama 31-27. I think it's going to be one of those really close games, but I think it's going to come down to a last drive where Stetson Bennett has to do that one thing extra, and Alabama is just going to be able to stop it. Um, I think Stetson Bennett's going to have a heck of a game. I I do. I think that he's going to. I think he's going to play better than he did. The thing with Stetson is he's just got to limit those one or two mistakes that he makes in a game against Alabama, and. Now that he's played them twice, this will be his third time, can, can, including the 2020 season. Uh, I, I think that now he he's this is really game three for him, and he's he's gonna have a better understanding of what Alabama does defensively, where he's made those mistakes in the past, and he is gonna use his feet. Um, but I think that Alabama's defense is playing really really well right now. I think that Bryce Young and uh, Brian Robinson have something kind of figured out in cooking. I think the offensive line is going to to play hard. It's going to be a really tough physical game. I'm going 31-27. Alabama wins another one back-to-back. I've, I've got faith in my boys, which scares me. Well, guys, I told myself after the SEC championship that I would never pick Georgia to beat Alabama again. As long as Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are the head coaches for the two football teams. But I am tempted. Uh, After watching last week, I think Cincinnati showed exactly what you need to do to beat Alabama. Matt, I know you said you think Alabama kind of held some stuff back in the passing game because they knew they wouldn't have to do it against Cincinnati. But to me, from the small bits I've watched, and I really haven't done a huge deep dive, so if I'm wrong, you can call call me an idiot. But I think... The reason they went to the run game is because Cincinnati did a really good job of containing Bryce Young in the passing game, at least in the first half. In the second half, it kind of opened up a little bit more. But one thing I noticed between the SEC Championship and the Cotton Bowl is in the SEC Championship, Bryce Young had all this space to move. If he got a bunch of guys coming in on him, there was always a hole for him to take off. There was always a way for him to get out of the pocket and extend the play. Cincinnati did not let that happen. And I think a lot of that has to do with Cincinnati being able to one-on-one some of their receivers. Uh, Jameson Williams, I think he got double-teamed quite a bit. But Georgia is not going to be able to do that. Georgia, I think Curry can find other ways to contain Bryce Young. I think we have enough athletes on defense for us to be able to do that. Um, we might have to pull one or two guys away from the coverage and stuff like that. Pull, have an extra linebacker in there. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I'm not as smart as Kirby Smart. But um, I think it's possible. I think Stetson Bennett is, like Matt said, is going to have to have a better game than he did last time. He's going to have to avoid the turnovers, uh, the pick sixes. Please, for the love of God, please avoid the pick sixes. 
Um, I mean, I think Georgia's got a real chance. I felt really good after the Orange Bowl. I felt like Georgia's easily the best team in the country. I don't see any reason why Georgia should lose to Alabama again. But then when you sit down and think about it, it's been Georgia pretty much every single time they've played. I mean, Georgia's only been favored once. But 2017, Georgia was a better team, lost to Alabama. 2018, I think Georgia outplayed Alabama for three and a half quarters. And then fourth quarter rolls around, and here comes Jalen Hurts out of nowhere, beats Kirby Smart again. Um, Last season, 2020, that's just Alabama just had a juggernaut of a football team. But, I mean, it's happened again and again and again. happens every single year. Kirby just can't seem to outsmart Nick Saban. I think Nick Saban honestly kind of knows what he needs to do to beat Kirby. Um, so I'm going to stick with picking Alabama over Georgia until I see it happen. Um, I'm going to pick Alabama on paper just so it's sitting here on this paper right here. I'm going to say 27 to 20, let's say 28, 27 Alabama, but I will be at the game. I will be in red and black. Uh, I just got a new Georgia sweatshirt to wear since it'll be 15 degrees in Indianapolis. In my heart, I'm picking Georgia. So, went for once. Will you just be a fan and on the <laughs> podcast pick Georgia, please? I, picked, I always like, pick Georgia. I picked Georgia did. in the SEC championship. Time, and then he said he would never do it again. I said I would never do it again yeah, if they lose. And they, I, I'm not doing it again. Yeah, but 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 you picked Michigan picked, to beat Georgia last week, right? Yeah, for the same reasons of picking Alabama this week. You know what I mean? Like, look, I think Georgia. I, I, look, I think come Georgia, on, man. Like, here, I'm going to put this out on air too. I think Georgia's better football team than Alabama. I think Georgia's just a way better then. football team. Just say it then. Say it right now. They are. Georgia is a way better football team than Alabama. But Nick Saban, the fact that Nick Saban is the head coach for Alabama and Kirby Smart is the head coach for Georgia, and there's all this freaking weirdness that goes on with that. There's all – Nick Saban knows what he has to do to beat Kirby Smart. So that's why I – like, I think Georgia should win. I think on paper Georgia should win. I think if you watch both of these football teams play all season long, Georgia should win nine times out of ten. But the fact that Kirby has never beaten him and it's this hurdle he has to get over, it's become a mental hurdle now too. It's it's hard to it's hard to have confidence in that. I guess so. I mean you're right you're right. Alabama is not the better football team. And there's a reason that Vegas favors Georgia. The, the, Georgia should have won the SEC championship. I mean, I, I have made no bones about that. Georgia is a much better team than Alabama this year. Georgia is also a lot more experienced than Alabama this year. They've got a lot more experience on defense. They've got a lot more. Well, they, offensively, I would say it's probably about even. Uh, but defensively, Georgia is a much more experienced team, so they don't make as many like young mistakes. I think the reason that I'm picking Alabama is because I am a fan. Because I feel like deep down, I, I my heart says Alabama's going to win, but my head says that Georgia is going to win, and they're finally like they're going to come out because the narrative this time is all about getting the monkey off the back, and I feel like the players are not going to worry about that narrative as much as avenging a loss this year. They're not going to worry about Kirby Smart's other losses. They're not going to worry about last year. They're not going to worry about twenty eighteen. They're not going to worry about twenty seventeen or twenty fifteen. Or 2012, like you know, I don't care what they worry on. about. I know what I'm worried about. That's I'm. This is my mindset. I hope Nolan Smith ain't worried about losing to Alabama the last four times they played. But I hope Kirby's not worried about that too. But I mean, it's a mental hurdle. Like if I was an Alabama fan, I would not. I would not be worried about this game at all. I'd be this. I'd be the complete opposite if I was an Alabama fan. I would never worry about Georgia until Georgia until Georgia beats Alabama. 
I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, it's the same coaches. It's the same teams. I mean, the only difference is Georgia's a little bit more talented overall, at least on defense this year. But, I mean, Alabama's got the better quarterback, too. I mean, it's hard to pick against a team that's got a better quarterback. Like, as good as Stetson Bennett played in the Orange Bowl, Bryce Young is still a better quarterback. I don't even think it's debatable. But Georgia has a, a better and deeper – like, I wouldn't say necessarily better, but at least a deeper running back room. Like, yes. Alabama's banged up. And so Brian Robinson to Trey Sanders, and then behind that, we go freshman. I mean, like, and and then same thing with wide receivers. We have Jameson Williams. We don't have the John Mechie. We've got Slade Bolden, who that's that's kind of cool. I think Georgia's better at every single position than Alabama is, except quarterback and edge rusher and maybe receiver, even though I think Georgia's a little bit deeper at receiver with with experience. DB. I don't think it's I that. I don't, think it's, I, don't, I don't think it's that big a difference. Safety, maybe. I think Alabama's better at I'll I'll give you I don't think Battle. Alabama's defensive back. Probably a little bit. I don't think I think it's I think it's iffy though. Well uh, with, I don't really think Alabama's Alabama defensive backs are too. that good. I mean I think they're bad, but Malachi Moore's Mal- he's good. Jordan Battle's good. Jordan Battle's very good. Jordan Hallams has been good this year when he's been healthy. And uh I don't know. I mean, the the thing that I'm worried about is is because we're a young team, there's not a lot of depth on Alabama this year. I mean, like normally, that's the difference between Georgia's defense and Alabama's defense. Is Georgia's just so freaking deep? Thank you guys for tuning in to Around the Keg. As always, we really appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's show, please drop us a review and follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Give us a follow on our Instagram at Around the Keg and our Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all.